Welcome to episode 92 of the Search with Candle podcast recorded on Thursday the 17th of December 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and it's that time of year, it's almost Christmas, so it's time for the Christmas special which means we're getting a few other SEOs in to talk about what's been going on in 2020 in SEO and what we think might happen in 2021. So today we're going to be joined by Judith Lewis, Chris Green and once again coming back Christina Azarenko and we're going to talk through everything, all the pains and woes of 2020 uh, from indexing issues to what might happen with Core Web Vitals and GPT-3 in 2021. Before we get going, as always, just want to tell you this episode is very kindly sponsored by Sitebulb, which is a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. You know, hopefully by now, if you've listened to uh, previous episodes, I've been a user of Sitebulb for a long time, so it's absolute pleasure to talk about them. And I normally talk about different kind of features they offer each week, but I actually saw something this week on Twitter, which I just want to kind of bring up and and really reflect on the impact Sitebulb is now having within the SEO community. So I saw a tweet on um, uh, on the 16th of December, so actually yesterday, that said someone's looking for some advice on a WordPress site, not sure whether this is a good or bad idea, and it was about robots.txt blocking some of the WordPress content folders, the plugin folders, and the upload folders. And they were sort of wondering what the impact of this might be. And someone actually just pointed out the best place to to look for this is actually in the feedback that Sitebulb gives you when you do an audit and it uncovers these kinds of URLs that are blocked. So Sitebulb literally has a has some warnings for things like disallowed style sheets, disallowed JavaScript files, and it explains very clearly things like CSS files that are disallowed or JavaScript files that are disallowed may affect how search engines render content. And then obviously if they're unable to render your page as users see them, they may not understand exactly what the page is about and you might not actually rank as well as you hoped. So, I, and it just really struck home to me that that's like the best advert, advert apart from this of course, that Sitebulb could actually have where we've you've got the SEO community just referring back um, to their tool as, as a source of truth. So good news is there is an offer if you listen to this podcast for Sitebulb, if you go to sitebulb.com, forward slash SWC, you will get an extended whopping 60-day trial. There's no credit card or anything, so it's totally free. Download it, give it a go. If you like it, it's there. I strongly recommend it. So welcome to this episode and we are very, very lucky to be joined by Judith Lewis, Christina Azarenko and Chris Green. Hello everyone. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey. And this is actually the first time I've been able to see my guests as we've decided to uh, join up on Zoom at Judith's suggestion, which um, I'm loving as well. So you won't be able to see it, but Chris is sporting a rather nice Christmas hat. I guess nice. I, I mean, I'll festive. take it as a compliment, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You all should be jealous because you can't see it, but it's amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a, we'll put a I'll tell you what, Chris, I'm going to take a screenshot. I, we'll put it I also have a robotic T-Rex <laughs> jumper as well. I don't know if you can see. Wow. Oh, my God. That's, just that video that, cool. that's entirely for me, not for anyone else. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys uh, one by one introduce yourselves. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in SEO, as there might be some people listening to the podcast that haven't heard of uh, haven't heard of some of you. So Judith, if we start with you, please. Sure. I'm I'm amazed at the Judith slash Julia Logan. Irish Wonder and I may both be black hats, but we are different human beings. I know we're rarely seen at the same place at the same time. So could be called into question, but yes, we, we are separate human beings. <laughs> I am Judith Lewis. I'm founder at Decaba Consultancy. Uh, why is it a consultancy? Because I've been doing this for almost 25 years. And if I didn't love it, I'd be fucked off by Oh God, I forgot to add. <laughs> yeah, we, we've gone straight into marking this as an adult episode now. So the floodgates are open. That was a given, surely. Uh, I, I'd have left the industry by, by now, like many of my um, illustrious um, cohort back in the you know early two thousands, late nineties. So um, I do in. I've done in house. I, I do consultancy. I've done agency. I, I've done before. I was married. Many people do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am that person. I did work in the porn industry. So um, porn, I've done casino, I've done pharmaceuticals. So, you know, I've been in every, every really racy industry of the uh, SEO world. Um, I've also grown up through the PPC era, era. I've been in SEO for more than almost a generation, so almost 25 years, which means that I have been alive longer than a lot of people. But not only that, I've been online since 85. So I've been online longer than some people have been alive. And I've I've been in SEO longer than some people who are doing it have been alive. So that's my claim to fame. But I do love it. Um, and I continue to do it. So I'm now a consultant. I come in, tell you what to do, and then fuck off. So. <laughs> Living the dream. Wow. Good luck following those intro, that intro. Um, Judith, just to explain the reason in my notes why I have uh, Judith slash Julia Logan was just to remind me to tell everyone that um, the last time I actually messaged you directly on Twitter was to give you a compliment on the videos you had done with Julia slash Irish Wonder because in terms of kind of SEO content, I think I said to you at the time, I'm, I've got to the stage where I'm quite picky now <laughs> with what I spend my time looking at and reading. And I really enjoyed um, that kind of series you're doing with it. So wh how can people find that if they want to find that on YouTube? Wow. So on YouTube, it's called The SERP Show. And we, we do keep trying to record more episodes of The SERP Show. I think we did Viagra. Um, and we've done uh, CBD oil and things like that. Oh, I think we did a bingo one as well, because there were some some interesting things that were going on with a particular um, bingo, let's say supplier, uh, both online and offline of Bingo Joy. <laughs> um, but yes, we have more in the pipeline. We just have to find the time to do it. And it's easy to do this because you've done all the prep work. Um, but our SERP show, it's generally about four hours of prep work. And then we do wow. about an hour to an hour and a half of recording. And then there's post-production. So it's it's quite a, it's quite a, a palaver, which is why there are so few episodes. Julia, I could have sworn well, you were going to say we did Viagra, thing. we did CBD, and then we recorded the podcast. Well, <laughs> that was what you were going with that. Not as much. Really. It just, you know, CBD oil. Well, it'll relax you, and and what's Viagra vasodilator? So we just be extra relaxed. <laughs> 
Wow. Christina, <laughs> welcome back. You've been on the podcast before. You've spoken about e-commerce. It wasn't yes. quite like this. It's gone yeah. off the rails since then. Yeah, honestly, um, I have no, I have nothing to say about porn or Viagra. <laughs> but um yeah i've been uh, i've been in the industry for like 10 years but it's so funny when judith was talking about how how long ago she has been in the industry i was like wow i got my computer when i was 15 and i got the internet when i was 18 so (laughs) i was just a quick learner but obviously like not not from from the very from from the very first steps um of my life um yeah so um i've also worked um on different um different angles of seo so to say um in the uh, agency environment uh in-house and now i'm a consultant for uh a year and a half and honestly i've also i also could <laughs> could have um I uh, could have just forgotten about that and returned to my um, or any nine to five job, but I'm actually loving it. And it's a very interesting path of self-discovery. And also when you choose to work, you really choose the clients to work with and you really uh, so invested in the results. And I just love it. Uh, so we chose to work mostly in, in the in the e-commerce industry, helping online stores, but I also um, do a lot for like dealership websites, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, and I'm also um, trying to get as much information out to share with the community, uh, and I love doing this as well. So I think recently, and I was asking you about this, you've just published a new or updated book on SEO for e-commerce. Is that right? Yeah. And, exactly. and you've just released a Chrome extension. Do you yes. want to just tell us very quickly about those and where people can find them? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, my commerce, um, e-commerce SEO uh, ebook was called e-commerce SEO mastery. It started uh, two years ago as a checklist, but then it grew into a really big and really helpful ebook for everyone who wants to get into e-commerce seo um and yeah people find it really helpful uh so you can find it on gumroad or you can just google e-commerce seo mastery or you can go to my marketingsyrup.com website and there is an ebook <laughs> link in the navigation um you can click there as well yeah so and the second thing is um chrome extension um it's a free it's a completely free extension you don't need to even leave your email address or anything like that but it gives you really quick insights of on-page um seo uh in just in just one click and you can see schema you can see um you can see status codes or uh, link chains or redirect chains um title tags uh, and everything that you need and it's called, yes, I just forgot to, <laughs> to tell this. Uh, so it's called uh, SEO Pro Extension. And you can just Google it and it will be the first result. So don't worry to everyone listening as well. You'll find links to all kind of everything we're talking about at the show notes, which are at search.withcanda.co.uk. And last but not least, Mr. Chris. Hello. How's it going? Hello. How's it going? Yeah. Beat those intros. Um, competition now. Oh man, mine's quite pedestrian by comparison. I mean, I've been—I um, don't know how you characterise this. I think I've been paid for messing around on the internet for 
well over 10 years now. Um, but I've been messing around on the internet for as long as I've had access to a computer. Um, so, well, not quite as long as Judith. Um, you kind of beat me on on that side but um, for a long time. Um, Did you say 82, Judith, is when you were on the internet? 85, didn't you say? 85? 85, 80, well, 85, 85 because I was on an internet. So I was on a networked set of, of computers through a Gandalf um, <laughs> server um, connector um, with dumb terminals. So our network went out to a, a, a separate uh, database and then I dialed up into BBSs and things like that. I think there's a whole other interesting story there. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's more interesting. I mean, yeah, you, your internet story predates me by a few years anyway. So um, <laughs> not to rub in, but so what do I do? So I'm, I'm, my job title is head of marketing innovation um, at a small agency in Essex and London called Footprint Digital. But effectively that means I'm getting paid to play around on the internet um, still. I think SEO is kind of my core, but actually I've spent a lot of time with analytics, paid search, CRM, email, um, managing digital teams. Most of what I've done is in agency, but I've done a small stint in-house and realized that I prefer agency um, vastly um, because, I don't know, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. Um, put it in that sense. Like, it's kind of a punishment. It's kind of a punishment. I mean, this is December and I'm in an agency, so, um, you know, it's kind of one of those spaces. But, um, yeah, I, I just love not knowing the answer to a question but the journey of finding out what the answer is and um i think out of all of the the kind of areas and jobs that i've worked in seo is the one that's been the most littered with questions um you've also got to learn to be slightly okay with unsatisfactory answers as well um or at least put up with them because if you must know the answer to any one given question go and do something else <laughs> it's fundamentally the thing but um if you're willing to try something new and and work around a problem then that's that's kind of the cool stuff so um I, I play and get paid for it is how I see it, which um, I think is a win-win. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> uh, I th you've spoken at Search Norwich as well before on site migrations. I know you've helped us out with Systrix training and you're my skipping nemesis. Ooh. So Chris, I don't know if you've seen, is, uh, is like absolutely incredible at skipping. So it's something I kind of started during lockdown as well. And I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm getting good at this. And then I saw a, a video of Chris doing these like, double under things like jumping and like like out of a rocky collage or something i'm like a budget rocky um. <laughs> <laughs> very i I've, yeah. I've never knowingly been a nemesis of anyone so um <laughs> i mean so that's i don't know how to take that in a good way i used you as my you you're my like uh you're my it's my like if motivation I could, yeah. if, I could, if, if you rotate your camera to the left is there like a dartboard with my face on it is it is it, has it got to that level yet <laughs> No, no, it's downstairs. <laughs> it's in the garage, yeah. So this Christmas episode, uh, like last year, we uh, have gathered some very smart people to talk about what's been happening this year um, in SEO and in search and what we think uh, might be happening next year so that the following year we can look back and then see if we made an idiot of ourselves or not. Um, and last year we had a collection of people and I actually checked the notes just before we started here. And I, I don't think we were too far enough. So we talked about um, we talked about voice search and we actually talked about how we didn't think it was going to be much of a bigger thing this year. Um, and I think that's that's fairly, fairly 
fairly okay thing to say and people are talking about because there's not particularly a, an easy way for people to re uh, make a lot of revenue from it right now uh, we talked about better understanding uh, better understanding of intent with BERT um, increased automation uh, especially with PPC with Google um, and we talked about Google maybe in the next couple of years moving away from actually being keyword led with PPC and just trusting in trusting in the big box that is Google. And certainly we saw that with the sort of surprise removal of the search terms data from oh, Google yeah. Ads, um, which is I don't even want to talk about that today because it just upsets <laughs> me so much. Um, and we talked about more machine learning slash AI in search. Um, and there, there's a quote actually from last year that I'd written down that basically Chris just said is part and parcel of being an SEO, which is um, a, moving more to the situation of um, doing something for SEO and then saying, why did that work? And then you kind of going, I don't know, but it worked. <laughs> it's very hard to turn that into an invoice is what was said. <laughs> Last year. Um, so we kind of know roughly the direction we're meant to be working in. But um, and lastly, we we talked about the rise of kind of, um, and I think this is maybe a more gradual trend anyway. The rise of kind of specialisms within SEO, and I think it's definitely something I've seen over you know the last decade of having people that did SEO, and now you've got roles for technical SEOs and content and outreach people. So. Um, Judith, Christina and Chris have kindly compiled some notes, which I'm going to um, attempt with um, shamefully little preparation. Now I hear my, how much preparation Judith puts into her show <laughs> to kind of pick through um, and just see where we go with it. So what I wanted to start on, um, and I guess we'll start with uh, start with you, Judith, is, and I think everyone had something about this, is these web core vitals. So web core vitals obviously was something um, that have been talked about a lot this year. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts in general on web core vitals performance and how how much how big of a thing do you think they're going to be? Because they're not a they're not you know a ranking factor yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's May, isn't it? Next year, where Google said that's that's coming into the mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with the Google Core Web Vitals, I, I feel like it's the perfect opportunity for any dev agency or organization to partner with an SEO and just target every single site on the planet. I was going to use a swear word. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> and just, you know... Um, You've used one now, so the floodgates are open. It's an adult episode now. <laughs> It's adults only. <laughs> That's where I used to work. Um, no, no joke. It was a, it was a chain of porn video stores called Adults Only. <laughs> Get back to Core Vitals, Judith. <laughs> That's another story. Although those were some Core Vitals in well. there, but Core Vitals for the webs. I, I think you know one of the things I was asked. It's funny. I went on a rant at somebody about Core Web Vitals and what should SEOs or marketing managers do, physically do to prepare. And I was like, well, you know, they could take some ibuprofen and, you know, just calm themselves for the discussions with development and also buy a lot of donuts because they're going to need to suck up to the devs a lot. Why? Because this is not an SEO task. Core Web Vitals are not an SEO task. We need to know about them because it's going to impact 
SEO. It's going to impact where we rank, uh, you know, in a head-to-head battle. If you're number one and you drop to number two, it's a massive hit you take on clicks. So yeah, we need to know about this and we need to know that this is going to impact us. But Google have been on about speed for like years now and people still have included. I had a client the other day say, yeah, well, they said speed matters, but I don't think so. (laughs) You know what? I'm a consultant for these reasons. I can walk away. And in May, when you call me up and say, yeah, we dropped a lot of spaces. I don't know why. The site's still the same. But we dropped. I can be like, well, you remember the report I sent you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's so important. When that icon comes in, based on, you know, your speed and your experience of the, of the users on your site, based on these Core Web Vitals, it's going to be so big on click-through rate. And it doesn't matter if you're number one at that point. If you have an icon that says you have a shit user experience and you are not getting the click, I don't care who you are or what you're doing, that icon, if it comes in and it tees people up to not have a good experience on your site, they're not going there. They're not going to take a risk. We're, we, our time is precious. I know lockdown, we have a lot more time, people say. I, I haven't been... I have never been this busy in my life because we're all going online and online businesses need SEO. So I think it's huge as far as the impact, but there's nothing that an SEO, unless they are a web dev and they are directly developing a site, can do. So Chris uh, or Christina, do you, um, what are your thoughts around speed in 2020 being a ranking factor? So from my, from my, I guess from my experience with clients, I feel, you know, I've always said speed is like secondarily an SEO thing, you know, performance. It's like we should be doing it because it makes users happy and there's, you know, more conversions and it affects the bottom line directly. And it's like a bonus. It it helps SEO. I feel that at the moment before Core Web Vitals, if your site was like, you know, two seconds or four seconds loading, it didn't seem to make a big difference. But there was a difference when if it was like really slow or really fast. Do you think... Google is now, you know, do you think we've previously sort of Google's undersold the importance of um, how how important it is as a ranking factor and that will change? Ooh, I, I, I've always found that SERPs correlate to the quicker sites positively. Um, if we if I work in any niche with a, a sort of a painfully slow website, we always look at, okay, well, ignore what the absolute score is. What is it relative to the other people that they're going to click on? Who are they going to bounce and go back to? And usually I've got to be really careful here. You're not going to get a a really terrible site at the top. If everyone's in the same niche in a comparable space, if you're an e-com and you've got loads of heavy Magento sites or worse kind of sat there, they're all going to be broadly as crap as each other. Um, But in that sense, you still want to be the least crap. And I think there's a, there's a degree, but the the thing this year that I've stopped doing and, and I've labored the point is if the only reason that you're saying SEO is important is because page speed is important is because seo then that argument's flawed and wrong anyway from from the kind of start it's it needs to come from the e-commerce the conversion point of view and i think that's that needed to change long before web core vitals the only thing i'm slightly skeptical of is the impact of that when it hits in may and looking at when https became a, a ranking factor and then when mobile geddon happened it's not that I don't think those are important. I think they're all incredibly important and you should have been doing it all along. But I think Google's going to chicken out a little bit in its rollout. Um, and I, I think that the, the difference between the mobile indexing and how long it took to properly roll that out, I mean, it was years, wasn't it? And I think I, I still come across a handful of sites that still aren't. Um, and it's 
you know, we panicked, we moved a lot. I mean, it's kind of had vague memories of the Millennium Bug in so many ways, um, which is, is maybe a bit more of a nostalgia, but I still, it's, it's important, it's got to be. Um, but I was on a, a call yesterday and someone said, oh, WebCore Vitals are big for us next year. And I said, that's cool. What does your dev pipeline look like until May? Go, oh, we don't have any dev support until May. And I'm like, then you aren't getting your WebCore Vitals fixed between now and then based in the short term, unless we can stick you on, you know, Cloudflare or similar and, and run through some kind of quick fix optimizations. It's like, as, as Judith said, it is, it's a dev task and everyone's like, well, it's an SEO issue. It's like, I wish it was because... <laughs> You know, most things are dead issues. I like I like this idea of this uh, this prey theory of just being faster than your competitors. You know, like we're running away from the lion. I don't need to be this fast. I just need to be faster than be the you. least shit. Yeah, um, Christina. In in terms of uh, e commerce platforms, I know we've spoken before about stuff like uh, Shopify and WooCommerce. Um, I know you work with Magento. So you contributed to that content king guide. We had Mordi on the other week. We spoke about Wix. Have you seen much? Um, in terms of improvement uh, or focus of these platforms on performance? Um, is that is that something you're talking to e-commerce clients a lot about? And is there any particular platform you see that's kind of preparing well? Um, yeah, so um, I wouldn't say that I have, you know, like uh, 20 different clients which have different platforms so that I, ca I have enough data to support, oh, this platform is doing this, this platform is doing this. So uh, it's hard to say like that because I need to I need to get to have real data. Uh, but I'd say that um, as Chris pointed out, Magento is still uh, like slowing and it's a huge beast. I, I used to work for, uh, for five years actually for a company that uh, created Magento extensions. So uh, at that time I was really into Magento sphere. Uh, I know that it's such a huge beast and there are so many moving parts. So it will take lots of time for them to uh, change this. Uh, Shopify, um, they are they are empowering their SEO team. They are doing so much now. But also what's important is that speed is influenced by themes and Shopify doesn't control themes. And um, it happened to one of my clients. It was uh, actually on WordPress. But the things um, with the theme, you know, they had a small image, uh, you know, um, I don't even remember, it was a logo or some part of the page. But in reality, it was a 4K, uh, 4K image, which was loaded every time a page was loading. And only a small portion of this image was used. So no matter what content management systems are doing, if um, themes which are developed by people, which I find the, these teams don't have SEOs for some reason. I find it very often, like, why are you doing this? But uh, as long as it's happening, uh, no matter what uh, content management systems are doing, it will not improve as much as it could potentially. Uh, so yeah, that, that's why basically you need your own developers and you need your own SEO consultants. And uh, also to add to, Chris's point that uh, it's not going to roll out that quickly. Well, I totally agree because I remember with exactly with mobile, mobile first indexing, uh, the year of 2016 or something, and I came to my boss and said, we need to make my, our website mobile friendly. It's a thing, like we need to do this right now. And we did it. And in 2021, uh, internet is going to be like Google is going to be mobile first 100%. So, it took so many years, so I think it's going to be with co the same with Core Vitals, Core Vitals as well. 
That's hope. My gosh. Can you imagine all of those people? <laughs> well, yeah. And then May, May 1st, uh, all websites drop. <laughs> and we have only YouTube or something. No, I don't think that is going to happen. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> as you know as well, speed is important for conversions. Yeah, like definitely 100%. Uh, so that's why at least something like image optimization. This is the easiest thing to do. But that's at least that's something to start with. I feel like I have to dive and take a bullet for Magento here. <laughs> um, you, can, you can deploy, just to give them credit, Magento now headlessly. So you can do your own kind of front end, but you know, you need some you need some dev muscle to pull that off. But I've got we've got a client at the moment that uh, does this. So it is this kind of heavyweight back end, but they have actually managed to get the front end pretty quick now. So when there's a will and slash competent developers, there's a way. <laughs> Um, Chris, you're, I know you're like a big user of Cloudflare because didn't Shopify, was it this yeah. year or last year, kind of move a lot of their infrastructure onto Cloudflare and now they're in this, uh, what do they call it, like gray Cloudflare. You can't put your site properly fully behind Cloudflare, but their whole infrastructure is. is I think correct? I think you can go orange cloud on much more things than you could. So initially, um, Shopify's relationship with Cloudflare made it more complex because you couldn't play with all the cool toys because the mothership was determining that but i think it's it's much stronger than it used to be um i think actually for things like cloudflare even amp and similar there's a lot more out of the box stuff that's going to get people much further quicker and it removes the human error bit and that's the the one unifying factor across any cms we talk about the platform can be amazing but if the person building it is not at all competent and being polite, then you're, you're going to still suffer. Um, you know, if, if you've still got a two meg image that's shrunk to 200 pixels square, it doesn't matter what infrastructure you've got behind it. And I, I had quite a long talk with Jono Alderson about this, and there's, we come to the firm conclusion that maybe we shouldn't trust everyone to do the right thing here. I mean, for those that have the will and the way and the investment to do it, I mean, you know, for those who optimize for Web Core Vitals before May and can get ahead of the curve, they're going to be laughing all the way into 2022. Um, but I just don't think those lagging behind are going to be suffering as much. I, I mean, Christ, I still audit websites that are on HTTP and they're still ranking in the mix. Um, that said, I, don't, I never have clients who aren't ranking absolutely anywhere because usually they're out of business by that point. So I, I guess there's a bit of selection bias around that. But um, we will always see the oddities. But um, yeah, I mean, those who run and embrace Cloudflare and a lot more of the edge-based stuff or even the optimization on the edge, like, you know, taking the, the pain out of images, um, you know, WebP and all of those other kind of new formats. I, I mean, why wouldn't you click two buttons and have it all done for you rather than have to configure it on the server. Um, I don't know, fight me. <laughs> well, while we're on the, uh, the subject of doing everything right, but um, sometimes not getting the kind of payback from that, did anyone suffer at the hands of Google's indexing problems this year? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> just some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> oh my god um when it when the indexing request indexing disappeared i was like well okay like when you have a new page appearing on the website it's not like you always need to put to push this button to uh, to tell google hey hey i have this page but then something happened one of my clients i accidentally noticed that uh they for some reason had robots.txt blocking the whole website and it was like it's a client, but it's a website of their client. Um, 
so I noticed that it, it was happening. I urgently mailed them and said, oh my God, like you need to fix this right now, ASAP. They did it. And I said, like, if you fix it right now, uh, it means that the chances are high that nothing, like nothing will be influenced badly. Uh, the client won't, won't see it and like, it's going to be okay. They fixed it. And then five days later, the client is like, our, our traffic is dropping. What's going on? And the reason is that Google quickly, thank you, Google, picked up uh, Robots.txt and they even, for some reason, uh, put canonical tag to the non-HTTPS uh, version, which was also under Robots.txt. And then uh, when Google finally picked up the right Robots.txt, they still didn't uh, re-index or re-index the page, uh, which was still canonicalizing the HTTP version. It was a mess. And I was so like, I was checking all the time. I was like, oh my God, how do I make Google know I need request indexing right now? So uh, actually it was, uh, I mean, the hardest part um, of, of this thing for me. Um, yeah, because I before that, there wasn't a time when I desperately needed index button, but it was one this time when you need it and it doesn't exist. So I wish it, it appeared uh, again, but it can be more, you know, you can ask more questions or um, like not to let anyone do well, request indexing with any page. There can be restrictions, but not like disappearing at all. No, yeah. don't do this. Please come back. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why that would freak you out. Have, have any of you noticed pages becoming indexed slower? Because I know that's yes. a whole yeah. Is that something you've noticed, Judith, with clients or Chris? I've got a publisher client, so I can say that every day I go to look at discovered, not index or not yet crawled. Um, and so it's not even indexed and not, you know, it's not crawled and not indexed. It's discovered and not crawled. So it's the next level up of screw you. <laughs> so I, um, I, I have seen this and it does really impact us because those are key articles and they're mm -hmm. just not in the index uh, that is oh. returned in search yet. And oh, and th there is freshness, uh, but there is no freshness anymore. You published it, uh, you, we, you just indexed it. <laughs> well, you published it um, a week ago, right? Yeah, I noticed the same with my own uh, website. It used to, it used to uh, be indexed really quickly, but I posted uh, an article and it took like a week to index it. It was crawled, but it wasn't indexed. Um, it's not like it, it was impacting me, but even with these minor things, I noticed it. <clears throat> yeah, I, it, it's I, the the issue. Uh, what we found is if it's JavaScript reliant as a page, I mean, the indexing of that is feels much more painful. I say, obviously, you know, only a handful of cases. It, I mean, the 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 workarounds we've been trying to get to is um, if there's URLs that we want focused on, stick them in a new sitemap, submit the new sitemap. But whether that's akin to doing a rain dance and hope, and if you then notice it rain, you're kind of assuming that your magical dance has worked or not. I think that's kind of in the territory. So there's there's been a sort of a shuffle or a degree of, okay, do what we can. You know, even in some instances, do we change the response code of the page? Do we, you know, put it to a 503 or similar and, and kind of try and trick Google into kind of revisiting and coming back? But um, I, I wouldn't advocate any of those methods as a hard and fast way of doing it. It's it's again it's our version of a rain dance to um, to that end. 
what I will say is there are external signals are the, probably the biggest variable in that. If you do publish it and you nail a link or you get a lot of buzz on social, they seem to be working better now. If you're publishing hundreds of articles a day or a week or whatever it looks like, then, I mean, 98 of them are still buggered. But there's, you know, it's still kind of roll out, push the content hard, and it still kind of gets in. But, I mean, um, Google's been drinking this year, haven't they? I mean, there's, there's a degree of what, what, what's going on. <laughs> We've covered in the podcast, I think it's four uh, indexing issues they've had over the last 20 months or so. And this is just ones that the public have noticed, because I'm sure they fix things, obviously, all the time that don't kind of get noticed downstream. Yeah, sure. Four times where things have been bad enough where people have said, hey, we we think something's broken. Um, The last three months, I think we've seen two or three major problems with mm. the index that were not quickly solved but took week uh, it took hours and in one case was it weeks mm. that one where they lost a chunk of the index so yeah, and yeah. this was like in a point something percent of the entire index as well so this is like a huge amount of pages it sounds tiny as a percentage but you you know you lose a point one percent of the web <laughs> the visible web it's a it's more than a blog spot and it know? wasn't a fast fix <laughs> there was something seriously wrong there was something like structurally wrong um so and that's just what we've seen in the last few months and then of course we had the loss of all everything when you were logged in all of a sudden nothing worked so something's afoot at google what it is is i mean it's probably structural it's probably networking stuff but like there is definitely something rotten in the state of denmark and it's only getting worse (laughs) so this is something we spoke about and i um kind of had my theory about which was in Google's podcast, they'd spoken a little bit about the crawling and indexing, or mainly, I guess, the ranking issue they had. And when Gary spoke about that, he talked about the crawling, overwhelming the indexing and creating a bottleneck. So the crawler was just kind of dumping too much stuff on the indexing. And this is, you know, completely my wild speculation. But then a few months later, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more pages getting crawled and then not getting indexed for days mm-hmm. and days yeah and it you know it made sense to me that you know maybe something's been even temporarily adjusted here just so they don't get that big um kind of you know backlog and um google of course disagreed with me when i kind of put this out publicly and i said maybe this is related to why they've got rid of this request indexing at the moment because it seems to me logical that request indexing kind of skips you ahead of that queue of you know you're in your you've been crawled and this is how important we think you are so you get in the queue and we'll index you when we can whereas the request indexing you know infrastructure would just kind of be like yeah these get to the front of the queue and (laughs) the amount of people using that obviously is massively going to increase if um if this happens so i mean do do we think there is maybe it could maybe something to do with the kind of mobile indexes there's something do you think chris christine actually kind of rotten as judith says i don't know i think if i mean i can well believe that that certain parts of the infrastructure um outpace others especially if um how they're indexing pages you know the you know going to evergreen version of um kind of chrome and and sort of that whole portion is, is a massive technical challenge in its own right so if they're just a little bit slower, even like half a percent slower than they were previously, that's and it's a finely tuned system that's going to have a have a um, an overlap. What's probably worse though is if people are noticing indexing is taking longer, 
more and more people are going to use the manual submissions. I mean, granted, we as a, a population of people are relatively small in web users, so I'm not sure that the SEO community is going to kind of give them too much grief. But equally, if people are at scale hitting the request or index me now kind of button, that's only going to make matters worse at kind of key times. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see it coming back. Sort of, certainly not in the short term, because I never, Bloggers. I, I never, I never really understood why Google would give people the option to do that. Um, in, I mean, I like it; it's incredibly useful. But it, it well, that's why it's incredibly useful. But I mean, I, 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 but why does I mean, why does Google need to make our lives easier? I don't know. I mean, I want it to, because uh-huh. um, we are the naughty toddlers, aren't we, on the internet and. You know, do you enable the naughty toddler or do you discipline? I mean, it's a tricky question, right? <laughs> Let them figure it out. <laughs> I, w- I want to move on from, I don't want to get stuck into, I mean, maybe we could have another discussion sometime about the kind of rendering queue and the disparity between Google saying that almost in almost all cases, JavaScript's rendered before pages are indexed. I would love to talk about that, but I think that's maybe... Uh, that would go on for the rest of this episode. <laughs> um, so we've definitely dealt with uh, some indexing issues in 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 2020. Um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is um, a few couple of you made notes about I guess the the fragility of of search results in terms of two things, which is um, the broad core update, as it's very helpfully called. Um, and actually, uh, it's shifting intent with with COVID as well. And um, Chris, that you've put here in, in your notes about kind of ranking number one can overnight suddenly mean nothing if 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 the rank if if the intent changes, right? So, do you want to talk maybe or or Christina about the kind of impact that had on people you're working with this change of intent and and you know what we've done to try and help people around it? I mean the. So for a couple of the brands that we work with that actually dine off their brand equity, if the intent's gone, you can still be ranking firmly at the top for your own searches. Um, but obviously the traffic's been dropping massively. And when organic traffic drops, that becomes the SEO department's problem. But if the SEO department like, well, we're still here, you, I mean, I'm not going to take a sandwich board out onto the streets and, and start yelling that people need to search. And you know, for everyone that's really <laughs> suffered for that, there are others that are the beneficiaries of that because equally, we've we've had people that have been ranking six or seven outside of genuine traffic, but the uplift in that intent to purchase online, equally, you know, issues with fulfillment and stock. You know, you could be ranked at the bottom of page one or even top of page two, and you could still see a you know record sales just because of that sort of radical shift of in terms of intent and how people actually purchase and. 2020 will be the year that renders year-on-year comparisons well rubbish i mean you know next year's reporting is gonna you know when when we've got clients that this year have said that april was bigger than last christmas um Mm. that means next april is going to look pretty trashy by comparison assuming that we're not in exactly the same now equally you do assume that businesses have you know stakeholders that can kind of rationalize that kind of activity and you know uh, <laughs> there's a mixture of nodding and shaking heads going on here isn't it um you, you, i'm nodding to you'd hope but. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a massive difference and i you know the, from i've said this more than once recently you know okay, if intent's down, you still want to be ranking for when intent comes back. So it doesn't actually change the overall dichotomy that you have to be visible for when people are there. It's just when for people when people aren't there. 
Um, and that's yeah. kind of and also stock levels are incredibly important. So making sure your scheme is up to date so that you can prove in the search results it is in stock. I have a client who is more expensive than other people, but because he is able to demonstrate that his product is in stock when other people it's out of stock or it doesn't show what the status is, he gets a click, he makes a sale. So it's, it's you know, like you say, it's in it's intent is in, is that the same intent as it was before when I type in, I don't know, horrible histories. Am I wanting the TV show? Because that's that started recently. Do I want the board game? Do I want the books? What is my intent when I'm typing that in? I don't know. It could be anything. He's got nothing to do with the TV show. He's got the board game. But, you know, it's it's difficult if you're not there. If you're there, number one, but people want TV, your clicks go down. Um, if you're there, number one, and when that intent shifts from the TV program, to closer to Christmas, any products related to the TV program, then boom, you're making the sales. And if you can prove that it's in stock with schema, you're much better off than a lot of other people. Don't we intersect yeah. a bit with the indexing yeah. issue as well, though? If, if, if we're relying on schema for the in-stock status and Google's not indexing pages, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that would be a problem. Well, um, I also noticed um, when, when COVID hit, um, and I also remember uh, this really, really great research um, done by Lily Ray, uh, where she also um, showed the shifts in user intent and where uh, websites who which were like more offline based, for example, classes or something, something like that. When you're looking for like, I don't know, learn SEO, sometimes you would see before COVID, you can see um, uh, real classes, offline classes that offer SEO courses. But now it's mostly online. So it doesn't it doesn't make sense for Google to show offline courses. So you if you provide them, the chances are high that you will fall in the search results. But at the same time, is it a problem for you? No, because your classes are closed, you are not providing them anymore. So while you can't uh, have the, those ranking, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you shoot at this point, like for this particular um, example, when you're offline and people want something online. Um, and also, um, yeah, I forgot the second point, but <laughs> I really loved what Judith said about um, structure, uh, structure data. So use as much as you can. Like there's so many in Google My Business, there's so many uh, different opportunities to also show sh to also show that you, for example, have online appointments. Use utilize all these possibilities to provide as much information as you can before even uh, a customer opens your door. Help them open this door by providing this information first. Do we feel now going into 2021 that as an industry, and by that I would define people using search to purchase products and services that they want, do we feel net we're going to be benefited by this because essentially lots of people have been forced to do this during COVID that maybe didn't do it before and now they've realized. So, you know, my parents never used to do online shopping, right? They used to be like, oh, I like going to look at the potato I'm going to buy. And I was always just like, you're mad. You're wasting your time. Just be fine. Just order them online. And now they've started finally ordering online because they didn't want to go out or they couldn't. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is really easy. 
<laughs> so do, do we think that's something actually we, you know, as as we come out of the pandemic, we're going to see maybe a, an uptick in kind of spending online now people, oh, yeah. do we think people are more comfortable with it? Or yeah. Are we going to see the opposite where do we think people are like, I'm fed up of doing everything online? You know, I'm going to go into every shop and buy everything and touch it and feel it and breathe on people. <laughs> I, think, I think it will be at first people might might think like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I need to do everything offline. But then there will be a balance. But honestly, people usually prefer prefer comfort over anything else. And if they find that ordering something online is like, brings them more comfort, uh, even if they can go somewhere, but it saves time, it's more comfortable, they will definitely do this. And if, I feel, I know that this shift to online shopping will persist. Uh, the percentage might be, um, uh, might be lower in the end. I hope the end is soon. Uh, I mean, the good end, the end of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah this um uh, these dynamics will still persist right let's look ahead into 2021 because i realize time is going really quickly <laughs> here um so i don't want people to start looking at their watches and start edging away so let's let's think about 2021 and i want to start with um i think these broad core updates we've had i just want to touch a little bit more on them because are, are we expecting, do we think we're going to get more of these very creatively named month broadcore updates? No pandas, no penguins. Yeah, no animals anymore. And then we're going to have the same tweet three times a year that we're meant to read about advice of, of core updates. What, firstly, I guess, uh, let's start with Chris. What do you think about what do you think about kind of the guidance Google's now giving on these core updates? Because it's copy and paste every time, right? Is that helpful? I think the guidance is based around the idealism or what they're aiming for. I don't believe it's based on what necessarily reflects each individual change. Um, I, and I, I think there's a degree of actually the less data, the less information you provide around each update, that the, it's almost clear and it's simpler, I guess. The minute you say, we've done this, we've targeted this and that, it helps people recover quickly, but equally it helps people I mean, take the piss basically, and and actually game the system. So the more you understand about a change, the more you know you can be reverse engineered. I'd say that part of this problem, part of the ambiguity around it, is because what they're doing now is is so much more organic in the sense of you know what signals they collect, how they weigh up the signals, and actually the complexity of what evaluation is taking place. I don't actually think they can provide any more specificity i think one of the things this, this yo-yoing we see between updates we there's constantly this line that no it's not it's not a reversion of the previous update but when you look at the visibility trend of even someone like the guardian you know that they are on a downward trend over the last three or four years but there are some massive kind of drops recoveries drops recoveries albeit on that downward incline and whilst the general travel is the same the the they're obviously feeling their way ahead I would say. I mean, you can't look at any one domain and make that judgment because equally the team and the infrastructure on that website could be part of the problem. But there is a learning by doing um, factor. And as as it's becoming more complicated and as the evaluation is there, I mean, John Muller was on Twitter again the other day saying, you guys worry about links too much. And there's a playful nature to that. And you won't ever convince some people in this industry that links aren't the most important factor, maybe myself included too. But that, that there's some truth in that statement though isn't there that actually maybe we are relying on other stuff that's just or sorry maybe we're just ignoring the other stuff but they they don't want to give voice to that in any specific sense because again why would they um if we're all if if they can get the industry optimizing towards where they're moving to 
there's a bit of utopian kind of thought around that, whether or not you need to wake up and smell the coffee a little bit in, in between. I don't know. But we're not going to get any more specificity. I think they're going to be between three and seven months in between, depending on the size and magnitude of it. And I, I think it, we'll almost expect, you know, you can't really judge an update until the three or four weeks post because that's when you get the dial backs, you get it rolling out across all of the indices, all the day centers, and then, then people realizing maybe we need to tweak some of the criteria and filters again, which you should be expected, but so, it's, it's complex. Yeah. So Judith, Judith here in her notes had um, put something about these core updates saying essentially the fundamentals have never changed. Serve the needs of the searcher clearly or die. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I think that's very well, but... I guess my question to this, because this this locks in w with what Chris said about this kind of utopia of, oh, just do this and serve the user and everything will be fine. Do you think this is serving the businesses well? And how do you think this is going to go in 2021? Because we can't, you know, we can't look aside from Google's taken big bites out of like recruitment industry, mm -hmm. flights, hotels, anything where you know, for the user, they can provide the instant answer and, hey, we don't need your website anymore. Just give us the data. How how do you think this is going to go in 2021? Is there, a, is there a way to, you know, fight against what Google's doing or do you have to just go downstream with them and just adapt? Yeah, unlike jobs, um, flights, they take a cut. So with jobs, you don't have to pay to be into the in, in the job search result, and they're not getting any affiliate income. But in flights, uh, the last time I checked, they were still pulling in some cash on your choice to use Google instead of going to the, the website direct or to another flight comparison um, website. So I do think that Google needs to really clearly pull back from that income model, because if they're going to do that, then, you know, we're all screwed as they successfully take things. They were looking at going into food delivery. So just eat, um, skip the dishes uh, in Canada. Obviously, I'm a Canadian. <laughs> um, uh, Deliveroo, etc. All those p places that were basically super affiliates of various different restaurants, um, they're screwed if Google mm. then puts that as something in the search results. So Google is increasingly eating other people's lunch and they're getting paid for it. So it's not necessarily PPC, it's affiliate income, but jobs was the first place where we saw you put job schema in, you get into a nice search result. And when you click through, they actually give you all the different recruitment websites options. So you can go to a recruitment site, A, B, or C, um, as well as the 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 poster's own. So like if a, a company like, I don't know, Taylor Wimpy or something like that has this, uh, a job up, you could go there without them having to pay Google. So I, I like that. And I think if we stick to core fundamentals, so to speak, of optimization, optimizing speed, optimizing code, optimizing images, optimizing <laughs> title tags so that people want to click that machine learning element that is a big part of what Google's doing. And as Chris said, you know, Google wants wants us to move in a particular direction. Why? Because there's so much more machine learning going on. It needs us to be moving forward, which is also why I said, you know, visual search um, is, is hot and do make images that are understandable by a 
by a, a machine learning element. We're all having fun going to Tunify and all those things that are making Renaissance <laughs> pictures of ourselves. Or I'm not. Did you see my picture? <laughs> that was poetry. That was. I have to show you. That, those are those are AIs. Well, they're machine learning elements that are that are understanding what a face should look like, and then deriving other elements and then building faces. So. If your website has clearly identifiable products, then Google is likely to favor that over something where it's not a clearly identifiable product in the future. I'm not saying this is going to happen 2021. I think this is a little further out. But Google's machine learning element is solidly in place, as is Bing's. And I think that for 2021, we need to start the process of understanding that and get our core fundamentals right. But that also means getting the images right, optimized and and, and well done, not just taking something on off of Unsplash and, and chucking it up on the website. So core fundamentals, the stuff that we've been talking about since 2001, if not 1996, um, that is is still important and it's still relevant. And I wish people would do it instead of looking for the hokey kind of like flavor of the month off of certain people whose initials are NP um, and what they're espousing <laughs> of the moment. The fundamentals are still important. And if you get that right, then you can build on top of it. I think fun fundamentals um, are always a, almost a harder sell to to businesses because they take time. They're not particularly flashy um and they're not you know when people are going around chucking around growth hacks and you know here's a trick and like you say those those things don't last the test of time um chris we, we spoke previously actually uh i don't know if you remember i think um it might have been on twitter about actually images and uh google applying ai to understanding what's in images because they've got various apis you upload a picture you know of, of your dog and rather than just saying dog it'll be like oh it's a golden retriever you know, really specific. And Google gave some cryptic answers, didn't they? To yeah. um, we don't use that AI in kind of web search. I yeah, think is how they answered I, it. I, it was way. about probably about eighteen months ago that that I asked the question, and yeah, the answer was a very specific. It's not used within text search ranking, but what was conspicuously absent in that was image search. Um, and I think the point I was looking at at the time is you run an image through um, the Cloud Vision API test page, and it will tell you. Or used to anyway. I don't think it does now. Is it would tell you which uh, stock image sites did it find you on, or find that image on as well. Or more importantly, it could tell whether that image was unique to that. And then, in top of, was that person happy? Did they have a beard? What color was their shirt, etc. And I, yeah, why would you not use that information? Um, it's it's just going to be a cost and processing ability. And but for image search to work correctly, they need to see it. I mean, if nothing else, just to remove all the obscene images, people are going to start trying to plow into the system. But you know, beyond that, if it's going to if it's going to be a search engine that you want people to use, it's got to be effective. Um, and all of the debacles around their image um, machine learning and you know not testing it on the right size data sets and stuff, they've had the data now. They've been running it through. They've been training for a long time, and I, I think they're close, if not there already. I mean, wild speculation, but they're probably there must be right yeah look at the difference between gpt2 and gpt3 um and also you know please don't try to use auto um machine learning generated text to rank because if a computer can make it a computer can recognize it just because a human can't doesn't mean a computer can't so but look at the the, the logarithmic 
jumps between GPT-1, 2, and 3. And you can see that machine learning is is coming along leaps and bounds. And it's always been, well, not always, in the last few years, it has been a part of the rankings. So we need to be thinking that way. That's. I think that's a really interesting uh, point from both sides of the fence there on AI. So um, I have actually a blog post on my blog that's written by GPT-3 just to see if I could get it to rank for anything. Uh, because we thought, <laughs> We saw some really nice uh, examples from, it was Stacey McNaught, who had found uh, some web pages ranking for COVID masks. And the, the text they'd used was like the most basic late 90s, like Markov chaining or just the worst possible. No, I think it was just a, a Mad Lib, in fact, yeah. thinking back, where <laughs> they just switched out yeah. words to similar words. And obviously it made like no sense. And it was ranking. Yeah. And I was thinking about... Um, because a few people had said to me, because I'd put the question out there, like, what do we do when we get past GPT-3? And, you know, what's the point in humans writing content? Because GPT-3 does a better job than a lot of copywriters I've seen, or people that claim they're copywriters. I won't say professional copywriters, of course. Um, and it was just interesting seeing that, well, if Google's still ranking this content that's just been mad-lit and is awful surely they're going to rank this gpt3 stuff because news sites are using automated content already right so when we get you know breaking news around stock prices changing um we've got news tickers hooked up to like richter scale so it knows if there's been a you know 5.2 magnitude earthquake in this location it can just get that news story out there so i don't know where i'm going with this because well, there's so many questions it's like mad lib has been written and then is spun right yeah. So it's not computer generated and then respun. Actually, that would be an interesting test is to take some GP3 text, mad lib it, and see which of the versions ranks. But we're taking, or at least this is the way I do it, is I take content that has been written by a human being and then mad lib it. And that means that the patterns that you see in computer generated content aren't present. Even though you're mad libbing it, the patterns of words and language usage is broken by a human and then mad living it doesn't change that it's just shit but you're using particular <laughs> spun particular sp i really shouldn't be telling people how to do this particular spun <laughs> words that are going to change 85 percent of your content but the meaning is retained without making that so it's a pattern recognition thing same thing when you look at a youtube video youtube uses machine learning to figure out if the video is the same or not which is why you get ones with snow um because it breaks the algorithm so yeah. mad lib stuff if it's written by a human breaks the algorithm but gpt3 is still got that there's a particular patterning of word and language usage that is recognizable by a computer. So theoretically, Google should be able to tell GPT-3 text better than a Mad Lib piece of text, because the Mad Libbed piece of text has to be re uh, rendered and, and co comprehended in a different way than the GPT-3, because it can spot already that particular pattern in the GPT-3 text that isn't there in the Mad Libbed text. Interesting. That is an excellent point. I have a follow very is that is that though a shortcoming almost in Google's reading of the content because you said obviously if a human reads Madlib content they're instantly just like well this is crap with GPT-3 you read it and it takes you normally a few minutes to be like hang on a minute that was weird that sentence so actually when text recognition gets better I guess we'll see Madlib maybe sharply drop 
and GPT-3 stay because it's not going to unlearn GPT-3, I guess, or, or that similar content? Uh, it's about semantically related words and understanding the context of the semantically related word within the, the sentence. So if, if feet and toes and heel and soul and foot, etc., cetera, are, are all related, they're all, they're all words that sort of relate to the same part of the body, but mean different things, but they're still related. It, it starts to get very nuanced. Feet and toes and foot and shoes, etc. and go on and on and on. And there are all sorts of relationships with these words. When you're replacing them in a Mad Lib, not only do you as a computer have to process that, okay, this is a semantically related word, but it's not the right word in this sentence. You have to understand the language and how the language works. You also have to understand the nuance of meaning within the sentence, so obviously going beyond Bert, but the nuance of the meaning within the overall sentence and the overall sentiment that's being expressed within that sentence. And it is getting closer all the time. So bad mad-libbed content will start to drop off. But there, you, you've got to think about our brains process so much of that and think about somebody who's not an English speaker. So something I've just been working with now with one of my publishers, the devs are in Spain. Um, and we spotted a title tag error with a missing word the in once in one iteration of some auto-generated title tags because in Spanish you didn't need the word the in that position. But Google's fine with it because it's it's a fine sentence, but a human being isn't. So where a human being is able to process that and understand it is still going to you you need to catch up and and you know machine learning is never going to be AI in my lifetime. Um, and it's going to learn and get smarter, but there is a limit, an upper limit, and it's process. One of the things that we're missing, I guess, as well to this and what makes content credible is the actual person writing it as well. Um, you think of the, the preoccupation with authorship and rel author, rel publisher, all those years ago, and that, oh that <laughs> and, and that project and what it was trying to do, and and obviously they, can, they canned it because people couldn't implement it. But equally, they said, "Well, we're kind of getting good enough to do this without you messing it up for us." broadly um it'll be interesting to see if say say the example earlier mark of uh, that uh, well-known blogger initials np decides to start using gpt3 to uh-huh. offer content rather than borrowing others um that we may it'd be interesting does that still rank is, is the you know will the sophistication from judith from what you're saying is well presumably we go this isn't new i mean np i mean um game away but I mean, uh, ignore the fact all of the ghost writing and and borrowing of content that goes on. I think that horse is bolted. But you get the kind of the picture, I guess, with with journalists or people who have been penning their own work and then suddenly stop or they start getting machines to assist. It's interesting to see what the implication of that would be. Really, I still think next year we'll see it happening more. I think in terms of like auto generating um, uh, descriptions for product on ecom and titles and and even the potential of actually well we can run can we split test content using gpt3 like small snippets not long form but where there's less context to identify the issues i still think we'll see that next year i hope we'll see that next year um yeah totally agree on on things like using the uh, microsoft ai to generate alt tags i think that makes perfect sense um because it is a good that what you get out the end is helpful for the user it def, you know it, it needs to just maybe be scanned over by a person but there's no reason you should be doing like repetitive tasks that a machine can do because it's 
kind of the point of having the computers as long as the output is as, as good as what we're trying to we're trying to get to um so we've we've talked about um kind of the content side of ai that we're producing on on google's side in terms of ai we know they're using uh machine learning it seems more and more to fine-tune these signals chris you mentioned about google almost knowing less of the specifics about these updates so it's about their running models and being like well we think this is better but we don't you know and again that's kind of the point of a lot of these models is that it's looking at long lists of variables that aren't necessarily possible for humans to do so broadening out to question do we think links are going to become less important in 2021 than they are now anyone can answer that there's no way they will be less important in 2021 than they are now and in fact in e-commerce internal uh, linking and entity relationships are so important you know what is a women's blouse and how does that relate to women's slacks and things like that so that when people are looking for um office suit Google needs to understand that we mean what we mean when we say office suit. Now, we don't always mean, obviously, none of us are in the office or few are in the office these days. So we don't necessarily need a suit. But if we if I'm if it knows me, because it does, because personalization, hello, people wake up and smell the, the coffee, personalization, it knows. And this is also part of the machine learning advancements. It knows who I am. I'm female. I'm living in Oxfordshire. So if I said, um, you know, best women's suit or women's suit for office or something like that, it might send me to the next website because there's a next near me. And it knows that by suit, I need trousers and a blazer. And it could theoretically drop me in the place in next that has a, a selection of suits or it might select blazers for me because I just looked at a whole bunch of trousers and bought some heaven forbid that should ever happen. That's a bit scary. But um, if it knows that I own lots of trousers, it might drop me at blazers instead of trousers. So I think there's a long way to go, um, especially for e-commerce, where it can auto-generate content. But if you don't have unique auto-generated content, you're still going to struggle. And I think, Christina, you've probably seen this a lot in e-commerce. If you have duplicate content, it's just not going to rank anyway. Yeah, 10, 10 different pages for uh, one product with only one minor change, which could have been just uh, like color swatches or <laughs> color options. Uh, yeah, and in terms of links, um, internal links, oh my God, they are going to be, they are important. They are going to be important. And I always say like, this is something that you control. It's not something that you need to ask people, you need to pay people to link to you. Like, no, it's you control this. So you need to make this work on your website. Think about that. Think about your blog, especially your blog. I feel, I see so many companies, especially e-commerce companies creating blog posts. They're amazing, but do they sell? Do they actually like uh, tie to the products that you have? Do they link to the products that you have? That's the question. When it comes to external links, well, they are still going to be important, but not like I hope that uh, these guest post requests stop at some point because I'm so, so, so tired of them. Um, and yeah, just uh, don't uh, sell shitty links. Don't like, don't buy shitty links. Don't sell shitty links because in most of the cases, 
um, they won't work. And even if they do, this is not something that you want to risk because at some point, like there is a history. It's not like you you are good with that now, but what happens in a year? What happens uh, after the next core update? That's the question also to ask yourself. And it's better to be safe than sorry, because if you're removed from Google, uh, it might mean that you lose business and some links, uh, like they're just not worth it. Interesting. Yeah. Chris, do you think in 2021, we I spoke a couple of weeks ago to Lily Ray about some uh, wild speculation patents Google had about um, identifying individuals' voices online and also other patents about identifying their writing style. Mm -hmm. So Google could potentially identify, um, you know, that I've written or me actually speaking. Um, do you think we're going to see a, uh, I guess, a progression in terms of ranking away from web pages and more to, I guess you would you class it as entities. Yeah. You know, I hate to kind of group us like we're just some other type of commodity, you know, human, human. Just on the graph, Do you right? think it's going to go more to, to yeah. people? Yeah. To, to individual specialisms, to identifying, you know, rather than the importance is it's this web page because it's on this website, but actually I don't care so much about which page it's on, but I know it's got this person on it and they're, they're important. Do you think realistically we're going to get anywhere near there? I think year? we're already on the way there. I, I think that's something that Google's been working towards for a while. Um, I mean, what I would say is that I think to really feel the benefit of it, you have to have a pretty big profile already. And I think you, you need to be a trusted entity that Google can verify quite heavily. Um, but as their kind of vault of all knowledge becomes bigger, more comprehensive, and they gain trust in it, um, then it, it makes sense. I, th I think, you know, who you are, how accurate you are, how much buzz that were i mean i think they they will they have every reason to to kind of keep hold of that i what would be really interesting is to run some tests on that and actually separate people from their domains and try and move them elsewhere you know kind of obvious examples for me is you know, rand moves away from moz you know does rand's voice follow him because yeah. his social and his audience followed him or because something else did i, I suspect the the rand echo well, I, I suspect there's an element of both, actually, um, even if, you know, he's got every reason for Google not to want that to follow him now in some in some expense. But I, I yeah, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. I think uh, the domain or a website as as a thing is is quite an outmoded concept or will become an outmoded concept. I, you know, we see the, the, sort of the small signs of that by browsers just stopping showing you like your path of where you are, because actually the user kind of doesn't care. And obviously apps don't have websites and a brand is bigger than an app and a website. And I think, yeah, you know, moving into the entities kind of space, I, we are bigger than our domains and, you know, as an SEO. So when my um, Chrome decides to shop, sh stop showing me the file path, I get all indignant. It's like, I want to know the protocol. I want to know the subdomain and I get really annoyed and find the set switch it back. But I am in the smallest minority because actually no one gives a toss. And why should we? <laughs> if the browser is doing what it should do and the search engine should put us in the right place. And even just that differentiation of going between a browser to an app, it will become so, it, I, it won't matter. So the, the, the author as an entity makes more sense in that world than it does in, in yesterday's world. Um, whether or not we'll see any meaningful difference in 20, it's so, it's one of these concepts. I liken it to like a bassist in a band. You only notice a bassist in a band when it's doing a terrible job. 
um, which may be unfair. My brother played the bass, so I used to rip that out a little bit. But what, in that sense, that I think this kind of stuff, you only notice the jarring bits when it's wrong. So like authorship went wrong because I can't remember his, um, but you know, somebody who's been dead 200 years is suddenly credited to an article. You notice it then, but every time it gets it right, totally unthinking, seamless kind of thing. And that's the direction of all it. And that search, you know, we're talking about Google's kind of dropped the bollock a few times recently. We only know it's when it does it badly. Um, and we give them a really hard time for it. But every day we don't go, search is hard, well done, Google, um, mainly because they don't need our gratitude. But you kind of, I'm going off on one now, but you get what I mean. Well, <laughs> think about the search on thing with passages and video passages. So fraggles, as Cindy Crum named them. So Google is is understanding the content of a video. It understands the context of your search with regards to the content of a video. And it drops you at the moment, or will, um, when it's released, drop you at the moment in the video that relates to your search. So think about how complex something that like that is. You have to understand the video. You have to understand the content of the video, the context of the search to the content of the video, and then drop the person at the right point in the video. Yeah, I think it's already happening, but based on the description that you have on the video, under the video, like this, um, uh, at this time, this like this tap is happening and this time this tap is happening so um it's easier i mean it means that google uh doesn't go through the whole video and needs to understand what's going on it is based on the description but yeah it's it's fascinating i remember when i saw it for the first time i was like wow what's going on <laughs> so i think we're gonna wrap things up now as we've we've busted through an hour of our <laughs> normally half an hour podcast um and it, it's a shame because i actually have got so many more questions for all of you um maybe if we could have like a 30 second summary from each of you one thing that you think you will be or you think businesses should kind of focus on in in 2021 in seo so if we go uh, if we start maybe with judith then christina then chris Sure. So the one thing that I would love to see businesses, especially small businesses, focusing on in 2021 is getting the core fundamentals correct. So image optimization, text optimization, title tag optimization, code optimization, just the fundamentals, the basics, just get the basics right in 2021 and the rest will be easier and follow. Yeah, I agree. And to this, I would add also, for example, to for e-commerce websites specifically, um, think about what other, for example, categories you can create based on what you already have. Because with COVID especially, I've seen um, many websites really successful when they, uh, for example, stickers, when they have specifically COVID stickers. Yeah, a, per, uh, a customer, a potential customer might understand that there is a stickers company and they can sell stickers for COVID, but you should specifically tell about that on your website. So that's important as well. Uh, fundamentals and plus, um, and plus communicate uh, what you have, what you can, what you have offer, what, what you have to offer. Don't make people think and make many steps because they, then they would leave and go to someone else. Okay. For, I, I think for me, it's, I've been banging about this for this year as well, but intent, intent, in, intent, like understand what your user needs 
at that moment, stop racing towards the bottom of the funnel and actually understand the difference of intent for different types of content, different types of searches. Um, but also the, attached to that is the recognition of, well, what does actually good look like in that space anyway? Because too many have actually no idea if the content is any good or not. They get very indignant because their site's not ranking better because it looks better. But actually, if fundamentally, that people don't care if it looks good if they're answering the question. So um, I think actually really spending the time there and, fun, and a lot of that is pre, what I'd call pre-SEO concern because actually we don't know who our customers are. We don't know where they are. We don't know what moments in their life we're actually fixing and solving. Um, obviously, the SEO swoops in because actually if you're not hitting that at keyword research and content planning, then you kind of don't have any hope. And usually from an SEO perspective, how do we do this different? We ask that difficult question then, who are your different personas, avatars, users, whatever you want to call them? And and then how do they differ? You know, are they going to be on their mobile in the supermarket or they sat at their desk at work? Or, you know, what's your context of your searcher and what are they likely to do? And you can't cater for all of it, but you can damn well try. And usually the net benefit of that is you go upstream from the competitors. Um, and you get that bite the cherry sooner. And also, if you want to play nice with your ads team, retargeting can then kick back in. And again, you're creating a fuller experience. So the other thing I advocate is stop thinking in silos because our users don't operate in them. Um, but that's not a very popular thought in the SEO space because we're defensive like that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, so yeah, you heard it here. Uh, Judith says, fundamentals for 2021. Uh, no uh, glitzy NP growth hacks uh, for her. Uh, Christina, I think, don't make me think. I think is a really good fundamental that you've gone over there as well. So actually about bother, you know, thinking about what people are actually searching for and creating those categories in almost real time. Um, and Chris, I guess, yeah, bringing everyone together and not just making web pages and content and actually thinking about it's not just a website, it's part of this more complex journey between, you know, sales, marketing, mobile, desktop and where the user is. We have to end it there. I want all of you to come back individually because I've got notes here of other questions I want to ask you that I haven't had time. Um, I want to wish you all a very lovely Christmas and thank you all for, for joining us. We really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. It's been fun. We will be back on Monday, the 11th of January next because I'm going to take some time off over Christmas um, and I'm going to go slowly back into maybe the office, probably not, probably just back into um, a room in my house <laughs> on the 4th of January and uh, work myself up to recording the next uh, episode of the podcast in 2021. If you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe, share it with a friend or of course, give us a link as long as you don't tell Google. Thank you very much. <laughs>